Hey, we're back on the Founder Hour. I'm your co-host, Pat. Posh here. And we're back with Alex Cantor. Uh, Alex, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Yeah, so um, why don't we kind of like dive into, I guess, what kind of inspired the idea for Ordermark? Like, what was the opportunity you saw um, while you kind of, you know, you were doing your thing? And we can kind of get into where it's at now and where you hope for it to be in the future. Sure. Um, So... I would say Ordermark um, really came to fruition for, uh, based off of solving a problem that I physically had to experience in the family business. Um, as I mentioned yesterday, uh, and I, t- I covered it a bit, but I'll, I can go into a little bit more detail yeah. now. Um, we, we started the, the recession actually in 2008, 2009. Um, it hit us pretty hard as a restaurant. Um, so at Canner's Deli, our foot traffic was down about 15%. It was pretty significant. Mm-hmm. And we were forced to find new ways to reach customers. So I, I was experimenting with platforms like Groupon and Yelp advertising. Right. And then all of a sudden, Grubhub and Eat24 and all these different online mm-hmm. ordering services started popping up. And every time that we signed up for one of these these delivery services, we, we realized that we were adding incremental revenue into the business. And it started with, you know, 20 orders a day through Grubhub. And then as we added E24, Postmates, DoorDash, Uber Eats, um, we, we kept seeing that number increase. But the actual in-store sales at, restaurant, at, at our restaurant wasn't really changing much. So it was just kind of growing our business mm-hmm. out through these, mm-hmm. through these revenue streams. And for us... Um, we were looking at delivery and realized that you know our lights are already on, um, the staff is there, the the, the rent is fixed. Uh, yeah. There's there's not a lot of additional costs to, to adding online ordering into the business. So it was a tough transition because historically we're this brick and mortar restaurant. Um, we we you know we we treat customers really well. They come in. Uh, we have waiters that are walking them through the experience, and then mm-hmm. shifting to delivery was a challenge for us. We we didn't quite know the right formula to get this right. We had to adjust the menu. We had to adjust our packaging. Um, there were a lot of learning costs on wh- you know where we should put all of these different uh, delivery fulfillment devices, and where where are the drivers going to come when they show up. And mm-hmm. um, luckily, we had a parking lot, so that was helpful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it really started to get out of hand when we added a lot of services. We, we ended up adding 14 online ordering services. Wow. Um, and because each one is designed independently, um, it, was a, it was a challenge for a restaurant. But de- delivery grew to about 30% of our business, which meant millions of and years. And how fast did that take? Or how long did that take? About five, six years. Okay. Um, it was a ramp up for sure. And in the meanwhile, your role at Cantor's was what? Like... My my role was to to identify and and bring in new technology, Got it. Um, and and this kind of fell under that category because yeah. the, these were like these these apps and, right, and right. it's what Millet, you're like what, the CIO, yeah. the chief innovation officer. <laughs> Essentially, yeah, just bring like I had redone the website, brought mm-hmm. in a new point of sale mm-hmm. system. I was kind of focusing on the digital yeah. components of of the business, yeah. um, and as the delivery volume was growing. Um, we on these 14 platforms we had nine tablets two laptops and a fax machine just to manage all of these incoming orders so 
um, the staff wanted to kill me. Logistical nightmare. Yeah, yeah, they were like, get this shit out of here. Like, like logistically. So, logistic yeah, this is so yeah. difficult to, to manage all these There's orders. so much room for error. We, we were messing up all the time. Yeah. We, we were messing up orders. We were not confirming orders in time. Yeah. Essentially, we had to like almost hire someone to just sit near the, this wall yeah. of technology and confirm orders, write down the orders manually on a piece of paper and go spike them in the kitchen. Um, because it taking us, basically, it felt like gr- these companies, um, Postmates, Grubhub, it, it felt like they didn't actually spend a lot of time in the restaurants mm-hmm. to know that like just sending order information digitally to a tablet in the front of the house is not where the, the food is even being made. So we, we wanted to take a step back and reimagine the online ordering experience in, in a kitchen mm-hmm. um, and think about, you know, if in a perfect world, how can these orders actually flow um, in a way that makes sense, in a way that we're not going to just keep messing up orders because I was ready to start pulling the plug on some mm-hmm. of these delivery streams, but we couldn't really afford to just turn off these revenue. Like the, the revenue, revenue you're making like outweighed the cost of just dealing with the shit. Yeah, it was just, it was painful for sure. And you, yeah. ju- and you, you saw this problem and you just, you know, you, you just like, there must be a lot of other restaurants and businesses out there that deal with these same problems. Yep. I figured, um, you know, someone has to have a solution to this. And it was kind of one of those situations, like, let's go find out what's happening in other restaurants. Yeah. Um, I have a few friends who own Put the incognito hat on. And just, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, so I did, I, I started reaching out to people that I knew in my network, mm-hmm. um, family, friends that had worked in the restaurant industry and over and over again, um, I kept hearing the same thing, uh, and 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 identifying with with their with their pain. I mean, they they also had all of these tablets. Or we talked to a lot of restaurants that were maybe only on one or two online ordering platforms because it was just way too much for the staff to deal with more than that. Um, and also talked to a number of people who were on four to maybe seven online ordering service services that were like, yeah. this is the most challenging. Uh, thing for, for for us to to deal mm-hmm. with, but it's worth it. I always wondered because like there are like local restaurants like where I live where like they'll be on a couple of them and they won't be on others, and that's probably the reason, right? Yeah, and I, I even walked into like Baja Fresh to be like, you know, how are they doing? It? Yeah. And they still had four tablets. So. Yeah, <laughs> um, that was kind of like a, a an aha moment of there needs to be a better way to do this, and. Um, I've been kind of wor- working in the entrepreneurial scene of Los Angeles and had met. Um, somebody who also had identified this problem sitting in a restaurant watching all these tablets ring left and right. And he basically approached me being like, like, how are you thinking about aggregating these? And I was like, I've been thinking a lot about <laughs> aggregating these. And we, we basically put our heads together. Um, who was it? Um, his name is Mike Jacobs. Um, he had started an online ordering platform in the stadium space. Interesting. And, uh, and we, we basically co-founded the company um, with a couple of other people who had who had brought in experience from the startup world and just fast growth uh, technology companies, so we basically dropped everything that we were doing. And in January of 2017, uh, we set out to solve this exact problem of taking all of these uh, disparate, independently designed ordering systems, streamlining them into a single device that can go right in the kitchen um, and print out in a language that the restaurant staff already understands, hmm. which is a thermal ticket. Hmm. I'm curious, how long and how long since the time when you kind of came to this realization that this is a problem 
and to the point where you started, like, how long was that time? Did you spend a lot of time, like, doing, like, I don't know, market research and, like, is this going to be big enough? Like, is it worth it? Like, all these types of things or? It was pretty, pretty quick market validation. Yeah. Uh, when we, we talked to about 10 restaurants and said, would you be willing to pay to aggregate all these services into one? And mm -hmm. all 10 of them were like, sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> So we didn't really need to do like extensive market research in other places. I was already pretty familiar with this problem mm -hmm. and I'd seen it not just in LA, but whenever I would travel, um, you would see, you know, six stickers on the window of a, <laughs> of a pizza shop right. um, or walking into restaurants and seeing what, what they refer to now as tablet hell, um, all of this wall of technology that is yeah. not really consumer friendly. It's not something that anyone in the restaurant should have to actually deal with or experience. So, so Alex, walk me through this, okay? So let's say I have a company called Posh's Pizzas. Wow, okay? nice. <laughs> Posh's Pizzas, I am in, let's call it, in Pasadena, in Old Town. And I'm, you know, obviously pizza delivery is big. Mm -hmm. um, but I do more than pizzas because now I'm a millennial. I'm like doing calzones and, you know, other shit that has nothing to do with pizza. Um, and I'm using Uber Eats, Postmates, all this stuff. Where does Ordermark come in? So Ordermark comes in um, to your restaurant and basically takes all of your existing online ordering services and, and standardizes all the incoming data streams to a single printer that we actually plug into your restaurant. So you're, you have a printer? Yeah, we have a physical uh, printer. It's, we partnered with Epson, which is okay. the, yeah, yeah. the standard uh, POS printer mm -hmm. uh, in, in the restaurant industry. Um, and early on, we decided that that was like a great partnership for us because that's already kind of what restaurants were used to. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want to change the way that they conduct business. We right. just wanted to seamlessly bring the order stream to an Epson thermal printer that can go right in the kitchen. Um, so we, we come in, um, we actually drop ship to you a printer that you plug in, and we change your order protocol to have all of your existing online ordering platforms come through this single device. So it's like a filtration system. Exactly. Essentially. Mm -hmm. Are you guys also your own ordering system? No, we are not an online ordering platform. We're, we're not competing with any of these companies. We're just bringing them all together. And allowing you as a restaurant owner to actually be on even more platforms than what you're already on. So you're essentially empowering companies like Postmates and Grubhub. Yep, we are. We are their, We are a fulfillment technology that allows restaurants like Posh's Pizza yeah. um, to be on all of these great revenue streams that are, that are available and relevant in your zip code. When it comes to like, I mean, new technology, and you know, you see like when there's like a new kind of, you know process or something service product introduced to the space um there's a lot of like people coming in and then eventually you see like market consolidation and there's like one or two major leaders do you do you see that happening in the food delivery space and do you think that's going to be a problem for order mark um not at all actually we've, we've yeah. seen the opposite happen so more like people. yeah his, historically um we're looking at online ordering the same way that we that we saw the POS market, the point of sale system mm -hmm. market, fragment over time. There's mm -hmm. now over 300 point of sale systems. Right. Um, and the market share is actually becoming less and less um, over time, even with some acquisitions. Is it just like a price happening. war at that point? Like, do they just like who's cheaper and who can? Um, like, why do you, th you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. why do you think that, that that's going to be the case for? Well, for the in the online ordering service world, it's, it's launching an online ordering service 
um, is could be done on a local level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what what's happening is you go to any college campus, like for example, in Boulder, Colorado, there's a, a big online ordering mm-hmm. service called Hungry Buffs. Okay. And it's just a local Boulder online ordering Buffs. provider. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're a restaurant in Boulder, Colorado, and you're not on Hungry Buffs, you're losing 30% of the market share. Wow. So, so you have to be on the... Yeah, I mean, if so you don't have to, but if if you if, if you're not, you're gonna miss all these all these orders that are coming. Yeah. So basically, if you look at on a national scale, there's today there's about 200 online ordering services. Some are national players, some are local, some are even genre specific. So Slice um, is a company in New York. It's an online ordering service only focused on pizza restaurants. Mm. <laughs> Looks bento- like that barstool guy needs that because he like just physically goes to everywhere. <laughs> yeah, there's Bento Box, which is uh, kind of like yeah. an Asian-focused yeah. online ordering service, yeah. and and um, we're seeing um, you know we had so- Tap and Go, I think US. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Tap and Go, order ahead and pick up at the at the restaurant. Yeah. Um, there's All Set, which is a new one that you actually order ahead, and then when you get to the restaurant, you sit down at a table and they bring you your food. Mm-hmm. So it's like um, it's so still dining, in, but it's online ordering. In a way, like you're kind of almost like a blessing for these delivery services because, like, it allows them to operate and work with like a restaurant that may be working with another delivery service and provide some sort of other value, because on their end they're getting clean kind of you know output. Yeah, we're we're really that. like a sales force for these online right. ordering services because right. we're going into restaurants, plugging them into all these platforms and we've signed up, you know, hundreds of restaurants for Grubhub or yeah. um, a lot of these big players. And, and oftentimes we're even taking restaurants from brick and mortar to e-commerce. Mm-hmm. There's restaurants that have no online ordering visibility. We're going in saying, we're going to hold your hand through this process. We're going to help set you up for success. We're going to identify a menu that makes sense for your business. And we're going to, we're going to then put you on, you know, one or two online ordering services mm-hmm. to start. Mm-hmm. Let us know how it goes, and when you're ready, we can we can then add more online ordering services and right. get your your kitchen to a bigger capacity. Mm-hmm. And Alex, do you have to work with these ordering companies? Like, do you need to have agreements in place or whatnot with the DoorDashes, with the Uber Eats, and all those guys? Um, yeah. So every online ordering service is set up a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them have you know very robust two way APIs. Yeah. Others have very old school ways of sending orders to the restaurant. Right. So we work with, with the online ordering services mm-hmm. in whichever format they'd like. Right. Um, you know, there are still a couple of online ordering services that we don't have mm-hmm. formal agreements with, but maybe we have a sales relationship. Got or, it. Um, basically, it just varies from company to company. So, like there are some online ordering platforms that don't want to make it easier for other online ordering services yeah. to mm-hmm. work with their restaurants. Right. But at the same time, we're, we're also just... Like like I said before, a sales force for these guys, yeah. mm-hmm. and we're kind of first level support as well. Um, so whenever a restaurant has issues or they have questions, like we're actually taking some of the the, mm, okay. the support load off of these online Got ordering it. services. And and the reason I ask is because I was wondering, did you have to like, did you have to have a partnership in place before you started? Um, we, so as we're as we're starting out, um, we basically were looking to aggregate these ordering systems mm-hmm. for canners specifically. And then once we kind of proved it out there, then we asked, uh, you know, if we can expand this right. into other restaurants right. and pretty much overwhelmingly 
the response was yes. That's awesome. Like, like let's yeah. let's work on this, and and all of these online ordering services have also had the challenge of going into restaurants saying yeah. we're going to add another tablet into your business, right. and, and these restaurants are like I can't do another tablet. It's, yeah, yeah. It's totally crazy. So, so now um, you like what you said. Like now you kind of introduce you help these restaurants onboard all of them. Yeah. You. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And it's um you know. We have we're Switzerland in the space. We have yeah. no preference to yeah. any online ordering service, mm-hmm. and and we we really are just helping these restaurants like connect to whatever right. they want to connect with, and giving them the, yeah. the the tools and services to do that. So you you, you come up you, find, you you see this opportunity early on, and you ask you know a few restaurants, and they said yes, like we would you know sign me up, and you put together this team. What was kind of like maybe the hardest part of getting it off the ground? What were those early early days like? Which is like literally like two years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> having a hardware component was was a challenge yeah. for us. I yeah. mean, we, we had to physically go install our hardware. <laughs> yeah, in every it's restaurant. Kind of like those, like the not ATM, like the credit card like readers before. Yeah, and I remember um, our first restaurant that we signed up in San Francisco. We actually sent somebody on our yeah. team to fly and go install it. Nice. Um, Which restaurant was it? It was um it was Halal Guys. Mm. Um, oh, nice. A, yeah, franchisee of yeah, Halal yeah, of Guys course, up there. Yeah. And um, and then over time, we we actually were able to, you know, really build a a, a more scalable solution of mm-hmm. of setting up a you know drop shipping a box right. with an instruction manual and making it even simpler for the restaurant to just plug and play. Did you have to raise money to start this venture, or was it kind of like some of your savings and your co-founders? Like, yeah. give us kind of insight into that process. Um, so when we we're first starting out, we obviously. Um, we're not paying ourselves. Uh, there's no money to pay ourselves. We all just kind of were like, let's just work on this and see how it goes. Um, we ended up bringing on three developers very early on um, who all were working for Sweat Equity. Really? Um, I was going to say it's really hard to find. I mean, developers are, aren't cheap. How do you? Yeah, yeah. We got to dive into that a little bit. How did you? Because I was having this conversation last night with somebody. How did you convince these developers to come and work for you for free? It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't for free, technically. Right. But like, <laughs> well, but 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 with the okay, sure, it wasn't for free, right? But in the moment, it was. They never. Yeah, they, there's I mean, no cash compensation, right? And there yeah. may have never been, right? Yeah. Like so, you know, it's, so it's a yeah, cool promise but, if it succeeds, but also it's kind of like fuck if it doesn't, you know. Well, they all took. I mean, they all took a, a leap of faith right. and they took a chance, and and we didn't ask any of them to quit their day jobs. Got it. They all okay. had regular work. Got it. Okay. Um, so we were mainly, yeah, it was a side hustle. We were mainly working at night and on, on weekends and, um, you know, we would, or we would work all day and then give them a bunch of work to do at night once they were off Mm -hmm. their jobs. (laughs) Um, and it was obviously frustrating because we wanted full-time people, um, early on, but it was also a great way to get this thing off the ground. Um, because I'm not a developer. None of my co-founders were really software engineers. So this, this was a technological challenge that. And you needed. People yeah. like that to take that information and then clean it up and yeah, and then pretty we were we got pretty lucky early on. We we started our fundraising process about four months after we started the company, okay. um, and the goal was to raise an angel round of funding, just some some money to get this thing off the ground, like a pre seed round. Mm-hmm. And I had um I had met this this guy who um, had just kind of came from an exit. He had sold his company. Um, and he, he decided that this was a very interesting opportunity. Um, I actually encouraged him to go try to sell a restaurant and the very first Thai restaurant that he walked into, um, he asked the owner, would you be willing to pay to get rid of all these 
you know, to bring all these systems together. And like the, the woman was like, I will love you forever if you can do that. <laughs> so you so, challenged your invest your potential investor before he invested? Yeah. And it was obviously risky because, like, he can yeah. walk into any yeah, restaurant like, no, and they can like, be like, okay. get out of here. But you knew, <laughs> like, you were confident. Yeah, I just felt like from the initial conversations that we had um, with re- other restaurants, it was very obvious that yeah. this, this is a very new problem. This was not right. a problem five years no, ago. No, yeah. Um, but it's, it, you know, became very relevant very quickly. And he, he definitely was able to see the vision that we had of, you know, really launching this thing on a national scale, and he ended up putting in um, pretty much all of what we were trying to fundraise at, at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, he, it was uh, basically a $750,000 round mm-hmm. um, that we did without a paying customer or without a fully working product. And he, he has a technical background, so he ended up joining the team as our CTO oh, wow. and bringing in two of his you know, senior engineers that he, he worked with at his last company which was such a blessing to get this thing off the ground. And he's still part of the team? Yeah, he's still our CTO today. Huh. Um, and, you know, we're, we're now at, oh, in over 1,000 restaurants nationwide, from mom and pops to large chains. Um, we have about 70 people in the company, two offices, L.A. and Denver. Um, and, and we've just been, you know, foot on the pedal, yeah. um, trying to... to make the biggest possible impact that we can make on the restaurant. And I saw recently that you guys had some sort of fundraising round as well. Yeah, in, in uh, September of 2018, yeah. we, we did a, a Series A financing. We raised uh, just under $10 million um, to really expedite some of the, the product market fit that we, mm-hmm. had, that we had found. And um, from that, we've been ramping up you know, our, our account services, our software engineering, right, sales, yeah. everything. That's, I mean, that's a, like, that's a very quick, like nine months in to like already prove the product market fit and like basically, it, you know. Um, it wasn't nine months in. It was, um, it was the Series A was uh, September of 2018. Oh, 18, sorry. Yeah, okay, so okay, about so 18 year months and, in. Yeah, yeah. Year, yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and so, um, so, I mean, obviously you've grown the company, you said to 70 mm-hmm. people? About 70. Um. Has uh, has that been like a challenge for you, like to? It's run been a- totally crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's um, I I when we were first starting this company, I I did not think we'd be moving this quickly. Yeah. Um, but but now that we're in this position, I feel really great about it. That the team that we've built is really like a family. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very exciting, young, energetic culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm really fortunate that that we've surrounded ourselves with such an such an amazing team it's 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 been a lot of fun it, there's obviously a lot of ups and downs yeah um, and you're the ceo yep ceo and co-founder how how have you been able to adapt to playing that role or has it been like a learning experience for you it's definitely been a learning experience um i when i first committed to being the ceo of this company i i really didn't know what i was what that meant or what i was getting myself into um, I had very little knowledge that that meant like, you know, just, just overseeing uh, an entire organization, being responsible for making, the, you know, big enterprise sales, um, partnerships, investment, re- investor relations. I'd never really raised money before. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of this stuff is like uncharted waters for me, mm-hmm. but it's been such an amazing learning experience. And I've surrounded myself with such a great mentor, advisor, and investor group that I can lean on them. Um, at, at times where I'm just like, you know, what do I do in mm-hmm. these situations? And, and I feel 
like I have a, a, a better moral compass than, than when I started this to, to know, you know, how to make the right decisions at the right times and still, still learning on the job for sure. What's your, what's your daily routine like, like from the moment you wake up till you, till you go to bed? Um, these days it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty much working almost every waking moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, As you're sleeping, just work. Yeah. I mean, I'll wake up in the middle of the night with ideas and I'll, you know, slack yeah. one of our, one of our developers or one of our yeah. sales reps. Yeah. Um, there's, there's nights where there's definitely trouble sleeping, um, cause there's just too much happening and so many exciting things on my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say like most of the day I'm just kind of running around um, in meetings back to back with with partners with potential restaurants with um, investors do you still go to like meetings with restaurants and stuff um not as frequently in the like in the beginning i made like the first you know 50-ish sales before we started to bring on some some actual sales people and i had to train them and you know have them shadow me i would shadow them um it was it was obviously easy an easy sell for me because I would just say, listen, this is something I experienced in my own restaurant. Yeah. I built it for that reason. Yep. Um, so getting you know, people who maybe weren't as familiar with the restaurant, um, with, with the restaurant environment, to like understand the nuances of you know, how point of sale systems work mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. front of house and different mm-hmm. uh, printers for different areas of the kitchen. Um, it was definitely an educational process for me, but now we've, you know, it's well-documented. Um, it's scalable. We now have... Um, a number of salespeople in our Denver office and our enterprise team here in LA, um, and they're they're cranking. They're they're selling faster and better than than I I ever imagined, and probably better awesome. than me. So that's awesome. So I guess I guess to cap this part off. Um, I mean, you've obviously come a long way in the last couple of years. Where do you see like the next five years going for Order Mark? Is it just kind of continuously? I mean, there's still obviously so many restaurants. I'm sure you need to get on board, but is it like sticking to that, or do you have anything else in, in yeah, mind? Yeah, r- right now we're just laser focused and heads yeah. down on growing our footprint. Um, we we have a lot of very exciting corporate enterprise rollout opportunities where we're starting maybe locally mm-hmm. and then expanding to regional and and then eventually national um, with with some of our restaurant partners, and and that's. That's where we're focusing most of our energy and attention right now is just the execution of, of getting you know to as many possible restaurants as we can. There's obviously a lot of demand coming in from other countries as well, so yeah. there's there is an opportunity um, in, in the future to to expand internationally, um, and it's it's something that we're looking into, and it's becoming a more relevant problem every single day. Mm. Well, that's Alex Cantor, co-founder of Ordermark. Alex, thanks for sharing your story. Thank you.